Well, good evening. Welcome. We are so glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming out to Teaming Up in Marriage and just taking the evening to, to grow closer to the Lord and closer to each other. And just want to say thanks for, thanks for being here. The weather's great tonight. And uh, you guys are here. John and Sue are here. So let's take a moment just to invite the Lord in. Would y'all pray with me, please? But Father, we praise your name and we thank you so much that we have your word to look into to show us, Lord, how to, to live out this marriage that you've given us. God, it was your idea for two to become one. Uh, Lord, it was your idea to, to bring us together. So now that you've put us together, God, I pray that you'd surely equip us through the, the teaching of your word, but also through the life experience of John and Sue Damaris. I pray that you'd anoint them and bless them and just give us a sweet time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight uh, will be our final night with John and Sue. Then I'll share at the end of the class what happens next in this very room. So welcome, and I'm sure they'll tell us one more time about their kids and their family. But tonight we're going to continue real quick just so you get to know John and Sue a little bit better. They love this part and embarrass them to death, but we'll go with it anyway. So here we are. So each morning, John and Sue, we learned this last week, if you're here last week, they take a blank mile walk before their quiet time. Does anyone remember how many miles they walk together before their quiet time? Two. two. All right, two. Anybody want to kind of elevate their fitness level and just guess 10 or we're we going to stick with two? 10. Thank you. 10. And the true answer is two. They walk two miles. Um, now, we learned last week, though, that they don't walk alone. Um, their two-mile walk is with their dog named. Anybody remember their dog's name? Oh, really? Jules? Okay. Uh, and the answer is? That is amazing. Yeah, that is good, isn't it? Jules. Yeah. You ever wondered, you ever just wondered what a dog named Jules would look like? You ever just wondered that? Well, we've got it right here. Uh, that's Jules right there. Yeah, that's Jules. Yeah. I noticed his tail wags so fast the camera couldn't even capture it. It's going so fast. I'm sure that was after one of the walk, two-mile walks. Um, all right, let's keep going. Just a few more things. So, John told the story last week of getting a call at 10 p.m. at night. I'd have been in bed already, um, stating that he was going to lose his job. Uh, so immediately, um, they prayed uh, right there together. They just got together and prayed. And from that, what happened? Anybody remember what happened after that? Yes. He got See, he did. He did. And it was a real testimony for us. He said, I just got this job. I just got this call about losing my job, which generally would, would for any of us. And any of us might do A or B. But after praying, he's man, I got a great night's sleep, and um, man, that's a testimony right there, isn't it? Now to his walk, their walk with the Lord, and to just God's peace um, when we bring when we bring God into things. Um, all right, so they gave a great stat last week about percent of couples. Uh, John and Sue said that less than one percent of couples who blank together get divorced. Do you remember what the answer is? Yeah, pray. How many of you wish it was vacation? Um, <laughs> at the beach, at the uh, mountains, um, or both. Maybe it could be Maybe it could be B and C. What do you think? But it was B, so thank you for instructing us that way. Um, uh, another one, and this will be our last one. John and Sue said, the first step to praying together as a couple is finding a most romantic time to pray, um, a really busy time to pray, or a mutually agreeable time to pray. What do you think the first step was? Remember? Yeah, see, to find a mutually agreeable time. That's a challenge, isn't it? Um, it's a real challenge. Uh, as busy as we are, as much going on in our lives, to find a mutually agreeable time that we can slow down life enough just to pray together is a challenge. So thank you for encouraging us last week on prayer, and we want to invite you up now to encourage us in this area of finances.
Well, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that we're pretty excited about this Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, we are packed. Every, we have the, one of our, actually the master bedroom is just uh, suitcases, everything, closed, ready yeah. to go. Yeah. We always overpack, yeah. way too much stuff. We don't need that, but uh, we do it anyway. And we're getting ready to go, and we got Jules ready to go, and we're just going to have a blast. Yep. So looking forward to it. All right, marriage and money, quite a topic. Let me give you some stats here. First of all, there's roughly 2,350 verses in the Bible that discuss money and possessions. Now, when you look at that, that's nearly 15%. Jesus spoke about, about money and possessions. Faith is only discussed 336 times. So money and possessions must be a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. It and sounds I, better if you say 2,000. 350, for those that just can't compute, like, you, you know, right away. Because when he first said that to me, 2,300, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. And then 360, I was like, oh, geez, must be more. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's 2,350 2, verses. And unfortunately, it's one of the top three reasons uh, for divorce yeah. is finances. So let's start at the beginning, just like we did last week. Concerning saving and spending. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, wait. Good. Okay. She's got the pictures here, so I want to be careful. Yeah. So you want to wait on that. Okay. Concerning saving and spending, what did you learn from your parents? So we're going to start, all right? We're going to start, Sue and I, and then we really want to hear from you guys on, on how it went. Can I show the picture now? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so on your left-hand side, that is Sue with the bicycle her parents bought her. Um, obviously, it was so big that she couldn't ride it. I know, yeah. in fact, when I found that picture, she actually <laughs> teared up. Yeah. That was not a good experience for Sue. No. Check out the, you got to check out the coat. Check out how, how tall those sleeves are on that coat. And then check the pants and how high water is there. And you probably, you can't see, but those shoes were all scuffed up and maybe had a hole in them. I don't know. But, and, you know, my parents were ones that, um, you know, you ha back then you had to get an Instamatic camera. And, you know, it had 12, you know, pictures on it. And then you had to pay to get a um, developed and stuff like that. So my parents probably took a total of 24 pictures a year, and that included holidays and all that kind of thing in there. And I'm thinking, and they used one of those for that picture <laughs> of me and my first bike. And I was probably about five or six years old, and they got me a 27-inch woman's bike and if you'll notice where the seat is sitting I would when I rode I had to get it going and then hop on the seat and then to get off I had to stop I had to just stop and that's why my shoes were all scuffy is because I just had to hop off and just slide you know to a um to a halt so because otherwise I just like pff, fall over you know so so the, so the picture on the right is uh is me and I am sitting on my brand new Mattel Bronco bicycle with a Varum make-believe engine. And I had a gas tank, shocks, and all that stuff. 
And I, you can tell I've got uh, a nice pair. Now, you got to remember something. I'm from, I live in New England. I'm wearing cowboy boots. I know. And a hat. And a cowboy hat. So maybe it was something that the Lord was the Lord telling, was telling me, me something ahead. down in the future. <laughs> I was going to be moving south. But uh, anyway, that's me by my bike. Now, I bet you you can tell who the parents were spenders and who had parents that were savers. Right? And, and honestly, they both probably made about the same amount of money, you know, in their jobs. My dad was um, in the Army. He was in the military. And John's dad was an engineer, or actually in the art department. Yeah. At a, um, he started off as a commercial artist. So we did artist. not know each other back then. and um, But we both were, I would consider, um, we lived in um, middle yeah, Just middle class, yeah. Middle class. But anyway, Sue never, Sue's parents never went on vacation. No. We went on vacation every year. I don't know if my parents could afford it or not, but we went on vacation every year. It was a big deal uh, for, my, uh, for my parents to do that. And Sue's parents um, were savers. Yeah. So I show you that because when we got married... Well, let me just, and, add, and we'll, just add one more thing. Go ahead. My parents were, their big thing was... Is it a want or a need? And if it was a want, it went back on the shelf. If it was, it was only the needs were the things that were bought. Even my shoes um, were. My mom would always put her thumb to make sure there was a hole, there was a space <laughs> between my toes and the end of the shoe, so I had room to grow into those shoes. So, yeah. And of course, John. With their family, it was, if it's a want, you can get it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, yeah. So we'll, we'll take it from there. So, so let me ask you, oh, what did you learn from your parents when it comes to saving and spending? Come on now. What's that? Work hard and save? You know, Pastor, Pastor Gaines brought that up uh, a couple Sundays ago about working. Every time there was a problem, his dad would just say, go to work. <laughs> Everything was go to work. And it was the same thing with us, too. You got a problem? Go to work. You know, just go to work. That's what my parents used to say all the time. Anybody else? How did you learn from your parents when it came to saving and spending? Right. <laughs> Thankfully, you have a. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, wise words. Yeah. I didn't have that. You know, I'll tell you when when we um, got married. Honestly, her whole deal was saving. My whole deal was I needed to spend the whole paycheck. I remember telling you one time, we'll always have a car loan. Yes. Everyone has a car loan. Yeah. So we'll always have one. We will. And she looked at me like. <laughs> you are a knucklehead. <laughs> so anyone else? What did you learn from your parents? Uh-huh. I can. 
So it's working out for you. Yeah. It's good when you're both on the same page. That doesn't always work out. Anyone else? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Good. No, yes, it's, it is. it's real good stuff. Yeah. We're, we're big Dave Ramsey fans. Yeah, we are. And, um, you know, when you, when you look at it, and, and you, how you were raised, how your parents spent money, how they saved money, when you got married, what went on there? What was your perspective or your attitude towards money when you got married? I know what mine was. Money grew on trees. We were fine. I spent everything we made. Life was good. I was robbing his joy. She robbed my joy every day. Every day. He got $20 to spend for the week, and he had to account for every penny on Friday. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I need to share something with you guys. This isn't even part of the lesson, but I got so good at accounting. <laughs> you did. I'm not kidding you. Even to today, if she said to me, John, last Thursday I gave you $30, <laughs> and I can tell her exactly what I spent every it on. Every penny. Said, well, you and I were at such and such, and I spent $12.38 on that. And then we were over here, and remember I had to get this. She's like, okay, okay, you're right. We're still doing this. She's still monitoring my cash flow. Not all the time. <laughs> Not every Friday. But anyway, yeah. But let me ask you, so what perspective or attitude towards money and finances, you know, when, when you're a newlywed? And couples that have been married for a while kick in because this – you know, we all can learn from older couples, right? Couples that have been married for a while. So how is it, you know, when you look at that, what was the perspective when you got, when, when you were raised by your parents and then you became newlyweds? How did that change? Or did it change? Or did it change? Or did you start acting just like your parents?
Yeah, go to work. <laughs> yeah, conservative. You know, it, 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 I don't have this in the lesson, but when we were raising our kids and they were little, we gave them an allowance of, you know, they were really little. We gave them a dollar, all right, for an allowance, just do a few things around the house. But we gave them 10 times. One of the dimes was for tithing, all right? So they learned how to tithe at five years old. They just, you know, six years old. That was part of their life. Take that one. And then there was a few dimes for saving. And then they could use I think some of that. Forty went for saving, and then fifty and then the, they could yeah, spend. Yeah, fifty they could spend, and you know, get whatever they wanted to get. They'd save it and all that. JD, our son, didn't grasp that very well. He just struggled with the saving part of it. He he wanted to spend it all. He was a giver. He would give you the last nickel. Kristen, some however. of you know, our, however, <laughs> our daughter. She's not gonna be was happy a, with was, you. Was was a complete opposite. Oh. Who's that? Oh, you're in the class. They're in Kristen's class. i got to be careful. This is all going to come back to her. Kristen was a saver to a point where we would go on vacation, even as a teenager, and she had all kinds of money, and she would be like, I forgot it. I forgot it at home. That was Kristen. And she's still that way today um, with with, uh, with her savings. He is going to be in big trouble. It's not remembering. Go ahead. Not me. You know, it's, it's interesting because my parents always had a car loan, right? I mean, that's just the way they were until they were in their 60s and 70s. And I don't think we've had a car loan for 30 years, you know? And uh, it's just, we just haven't had one. We've always paid cash for our cars. And uh, we would save up and, and buy them. But uh, anyway, when you look at it as a newlywed, getting married and, you know, trying to get it together, now that you've been married for a little while, has things changed? Has things changed at all in your marriage when it comes to how you view money now that it's your money and you're seeing it come in and you need to do things with it? Do you see it changing for the good, hopefully? Okay, all right. Let me listen listen to this. According to recent research, we found that 41% of Americans with families say that money was a big source of tension in their house. And this is in 2022. Car loans just topped over a trillion, making it one of the major sources of consumer debt. 81% of cars purchased in the US were required 
to use some sort of financing. The average car loan in the U.S., you ready? The average car loan right Today. now is $716 a month. That's the average car loan. Look at Susan's over there. Her eyes got this big, right? Not in my house, mm -hmm. right? Um, the loan amount was 41445 The interest was between 75 and 13 because it keeps rising, right? And the length of the loan, you ready, is 70 months. 70 months, six years. And honestly, I mean, if you really want to, you know, because a lot of people say, oh, I got such a deal. But honestly, if you're going to finance a car, you've got to add the, the payment times that by how many months. And that's really what you're going to pay for that car. It's you know, you, definitely you know, not 44000 right? Right. It's, a lot more. it's definitely not. It's going to add up a lot more than that. So, um, but I, I do remember... Um, when we were young married, and we went to a, um, uh, this, it was just called Design for Successful Living, Larry Coy Seminar, and I remember him standing up there saying that um, you, we should never take out, go into debt with anything that depreciates. And I remember th sitting there thinking, of course, and so he was saying houses obviously usually don't depreciate. They usually will go up in value. But everything else, including cars, Now I'm in the same seminar going, oh. <laughs> do not feed this girl any more information than she needs. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it was kind of but funny. But I mean, it was difficult at that time. We were, we were just trying to keep a thousand dollars in our savings account at that time you know so um looking at a thousand dollars that just wasn't going to give you a whole lot for, that was a big for deal a for us when we finally looked at our savings account we had a thousand dollars yeah and then one, one day we had five thousand yeah. dollars and then it continued to grow and it was like wow, wow. you know really yeah. uh, really amazing thing yeah. but let, let me just ask you uh, what are some common financial issues couples face today in the church what are some common financial troubles come on there's plenty of them lack of communication right lack of agreeing yeah you know my standpoint on tithing when I first got saved was what are you going to do with my money that was my standpoint I was like, this is we not, worked hard for that this money. is not so going to work. Then? And I remember really struggling with that. And that's where obedience, and we talked about this over the last few weeks, that's where obedience turns into joy. You know, when you turn around and you become obedient, and then eventually it's like, man, I just can't wait to give. You know, it, it's really the right thing to do. You know, so, so financial issues, too, could be, and, and I'll tell you, I never did the grocery shopping not the inside guy, and I never did grocery shopping. Sue always did the grocery shopping. So I retired, and I went out grocery shopping. This is a little over two years ago. And eggs were like 79 cents a dozen. So I'm walking in the store looking at 79 cents. That's pretty cheap. Packaging, shipping, freight, all that stuff. Thinking, how much money do they make on eggs? That's how, by the way, that's how my mind works. All right? So I'm calculating this stuff, trying to figure out why is this it's so cheap. Well, two years later, I go in there, 489 for a dozen. And I said to Sue, this is not 8% inflation. All right? This is a bazillion percent 
you know, this is ridiculous. And so it really kind of threw me off on, on what things cost. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching stuff all the time now because I'm out there with her doing it. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that cost money just in church that can cause financial issues, like music lessons. You want your child to have guitar lessons, piano lessons, whatever it is. Ballet. We've got ballet here. Mission trips. Beach week. Camps. You got a bunch of kids, <laughs> right? That's all coming at you guys, right? All those boys. When you look at the price of all that and start adding it up, that can cause financial issues within the family. Can we afford it? You know, and a lot of families just believe, well, we're just going to do it anyway. We don't have the money, but we're going to send them anyway. And then it's all these other things we have our kids doing outside, you know, of, uh, of the church when it comes to cheerleading and all this stuff that goes on. Costs a fortune, right? So let me ask you this. When we use the word slave, what comes to mind? Free labor. That's a really good one. I didn't have that. That's a good one. What else? Come on, let's, let's throw some words out. Bondage. Bondage. Yeah. That, I had, that was good. Yeah. What else? Hmm? Sir. Sir. Yeah. yeah. Tough life. Tough life. No freedom. Right? It's like bondage. Yeah. Right? No freedom. Anyone else? Burden. Yeah. yeah, it is a heavy burden. Yeah. Amen. You know, Proverbs 22 says, 22 7. So we'll move it over. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's where we are right now as a country. You know, we fight to get out of bondage. We fight to not be a slave. And yet, we owe money to everybody. Mm -hmm. Right? And we're in trouble. When someone takes a loan, the lender rules over them, much as the master would rule over his slave. You know, and honestly, that really came true for us. You know, for a long time, we, we could say that we were debt-free. We never had any loans, credit cards, you know, car loans, any of that kind of thing. But we did have a mortgage for, you know, so wow. many years. And um, I can remember, and John, and, and our interest rate was only 3%. So I'm like, you know, it's just it's 3%. We're, we're okay. It's not a big deal. John was like, paying off. We're going to pay it off. We need to pay it off. And finally, I just, the Lord got a hold of me and said, you need to, you know, you need submit, to, to, your submit to your husband. And so I decided... That I would, I would surprise him, and I would call them up, and I would just say, I want to pay off this loan. Because we had the money. I just thought, well, we can just let it ride. You know, it's only 3% or whatever. So, But we had the money sitting in our checking account, our savings account. And so I decided to call and, and just surprise him. And I'll never forget what a freeing feeling that was to be able to, when he came home, to be able to show him, we don't owe anything. We are totally debt-free. You know, and um, it was just... And that, that, was a, uh, that was a feeling I'll never forget. Um, that was something that, um, that really hit me harder than I thought. Mm -hmm. Because we could have paid it off a long time ago. We just didn't. Yeah, we did. And, and when we did, there was that freedom, 
I guess, not having bondage. Right. Right? And having that freedom, it was... It was but to have the freedom, I, I paid, I think, I, I was like a thousand, I would pay extra. So I think it was like a thousand to fourteen hundred a month or something on our mortgage and stuff like that. And to be able to just sit there and say, to think, Lord, what would you like us to do with this extra thousand dollars, you know, this month that I don't have to pay towards the mortgage? Mm -hmm. You know, it's Worked pretty cool really well. when you get to, de you know, just go before the Lord and let him decide how he's going to spend his money, which is really his money. You know, that type of thing. That's just such a freedom there. So, so, so it really is true when he says, well, you are a slave, you know, when you're um, wor working with debt. So questions. Are you a spender or are you a saver? You don't have to answer these, but I want okay. you to think about it. Are you a spender or a saver? Do you know how much is in your bank account right now? I got a big nod right there. She knows exactly how many. <laughs> That's great. What do you spend your paycheck on each month? How do you spend your fun money? There's nothing wrong with that either, you know, to go out. Um, do you have a budget? And how often do you discuss your budget? That's the big one. Yeah. So here's the deal, and, and I'm going to share a little bit about this. We have a budget, and it's a fairly elaborate spreadsheet, and I just did it myself, put the thing together, and it's based on years. So 2000, let's just say 2020, 21, 22, 23. So you set up columns, spreadsheet, and then how much money do you have come in? You know, I've got a pension, I've got Social Security, she has Social Security, blah, blah, blah. So that's all kind of lined up, right? So what's coming in, can't change that, right? And then what's going out, right? Whether it's car insurance, homeowner's insurance, um, gas for your car, you know, just say transportation. And you can list all those things, right? I don't know how many of you have that, but put all that down. Let's just say I did that in 2020. In 2021, 2022, our car insurance went down, right? So I would change the color of that one. So I knew I was dropping in, on that particular one. Maybe homeowner's insurance, that we just reduced that. So that came down a little bit. We're constantly looking for how to save, how to lower, you know, getting it down and stuff. And, and we don't have a lot to, to lower, but you have all those things. And then our fun money, which is we live at the beach for four months. Well, we have to budget those four months of renting a house down in Florida. Right, so that's budgeted, right? And that comes off the top. So that thing is all put together, and then each year, I've got that listed. Now get this, every two weeks, we sit down and go over our budget. We sit down and say, how much money do we have in our investments? How many do we have in our savings? What's in our checking? And we update the whole thing, every two weeks. So I know exactly what's going on, and, uh, and she knows what's going on, and we discuss it. If you're not doing that, you need to do it. I think what happens sometimes in marriages, though, it's painful. So you don't want to do it. So you, you push it away. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about that right now. In fact, if you would have told me 30 years ago to do that, I'd kind of looked at you funny. But at this point in our life, and I really want to share this with you guys because it's so important, that you really need to discuss your finances so things don't creep up on you. Right which create havoc in the house, mm -hmm. right? I didn't know that bill was coming up. 
I didn't know we needed to pay for this. We were supposed to, I'll tell you a story, when we were, when we were first married, probably the first 10 years, and I'm not kidding you, it happened every year for the first 10 years. I know exactly what you're gonna say. It was, and this isn't part of the lesson, but I just, just <laughs> thought of it. We would be ready for vacation. We're going on one week vacation to wherever. Let's just say it was the beach, because we lived right by the ocean. And we were staying in a hotel with the kids. Just before we left, we would get a bill. And Sue would say, John, we just got this bill, so we're really going to be careful going on vacation. Now, when was, you're a spender... Like, it was like a cuss word to John. <laughs> when you're a spender and someone says that to you just before vacation, you I mean... You can't spend any money on vacation. <laughs> I mean, we laugh about it now, and I don't know how, how this happens to you guys, but it happened for 10 straight years. And he won't let me live it down. Yeah. I mean, he just won't let I, it go. I, I thought about not opening up the mail for the, first, for the last week before you went on vacation. Just don't open it up. Then we won't know, right? But no, we had to open up that mail on Thursday, and we were leaving on Saturday. And she'd open it up and say, John, we just got this $200 bill, and we're really going to have to be careful. Right? It was crazy. Just what you wanted to hear on vacation. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Well, so we anyway. Say, we don't say that anymore. No. <laughs> Praise God. You know, let me ask you this. Can money buy happiness? Be careful with the answer. Because I'm using, ah. Yes. I, I actually... I didn't say, can it create happiness forever, but can it, can it create happiness for five minutes? For an hour? You know? Some of you have been through this as saying, no, because I know what's going to happen, right? So I'm not going to be happy because I know what's going to happen, right? But we found a handful of articles starting that money, indeed, can buy happiness in the short term, mm -hmm. all right? But it turns out that money can Oops. only buy it temporarily, right? but it can't buy lasting joy. You know, the scripture teaches us this truth in 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If you spend your days longing to be rich, you'll be tempted and trapped by your own harmful desires. The love of money is evil. Not money itself. Money is a tool used to bless people and provide basic human needs. What's evil is when our heart desires money over all else. You know... Sue and I don't go out to eat very often. I mean, very, very seldom. And I think we said this in a class a while back. We've never been to Flight Restaurant or any other of those restaurants that people talk about that are in Memphis. Never been there. I don't even know where they are. You know, we tend to eat at home most of the time. All right? That's just what we do. And every once in a while, we'll go out for Mexican, right? Maybe after church. Because that's all just, there is in Oakland. Yeah. But we're not, <laughs> we we're not big go-out-to-eat people. It's just something that um, 
God just doesn't have us doing mm -hmm. at this point in our but lives. But we do go to the beach for four months out of the year. That's so true. We spend it but let me tell you a little bit about the beach, a little bit, because of this scripture. You know, the first thing that we did when we went down to the beach, and I would challenge every couple in here that uh, when you go on vacation, number one is to find a church. Don't vacation from the Lord. Find a church. It's the first thing we do. Second thing is, is we meet the pastor. And we tell him. We go to Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, we just met this guy from Seagrove, Dr. J Jason Bowen. And he said, uh, we told him that we were from Bellevue. And he's like, oh, my. I'm from Tennessee. I went to University of Tennessee. And he went on and on and on. Great guy. He's now the senior pastor of this church. But this is what we told him. How can we help you? Anything you need, whether it's prayer, do you need us to help in a class, maybe fill in, what do you need from us? And he said, I need you to pray for me. I don't have anybody that comes in. He is a brand-new pastor, just got there. Yeah. He said, I need you to come in and pray for me. So we did. Every Sunday morning at 8.30, we show up at Seagrove, and we pray over him, and then we pray over all the seats. And I tell you this because it's not all about walking the beach and collecting seashells. Although that's fun, and we enjoy walking the beach. But it's also about serving. Mm -hmm. All right, so I want to make sure that we have a balance here, that when Sue and I go down there, yeah, we're having fun, but Wednesday nights we're teaching ESL at Seagrove Baptist Church with a bunch of Hispanics who just got here and are working in hotels, and we're leading them to the Lord. I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than that. It is so awesome, right? So we spend a lot of time doing that. So I just wanted, wanted to share with you that when you do go on vacation, and I know you deserve one, you've worked hard. I Believe me, I've, I've told myself all those stories. Don't run away from the Lord. You know, super important. So go ahead. You can, you can go. Um, we wanted to share with you, you know, we felt like this, this guy was the wealthiest and wisest apart from Jesus um, to ever walk the earth. And we thought, gee, what did he have to say about all of this um, money? And well, I mean, it would be like Bill Gates or mm -hmm. Elon Musk or those guys walking in the room right now, billionaires, yeah. and saying, uh, who's the guy that owns Amazon? I forget his name. Bezos, Bezos. It's like the three of those guys walking in and sharing about money. I mean, obviously, these guys know what they're talking about. They've started companies, and they're quite successful. But listen to this. Okay. Ecclesiastes 5, it actually goes up to 18, I'm going to read. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is, but, is put into risky investments that sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. 
We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Though throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them, and to accept their lot in life. Let me go back to the beginning, because we want to kind of pick apart. He has a lot to say in these verses, so, um, whoops, went back too far, sorry. Oh. Um, I'm, let, me, let me just jump in real quick. I'm it says, doing it the wrong way. You know, in verse way, 12, sorry. it says, people who work hard oh, sleep gosh. well, whether they eat little or much, I've but the rich it. seldom get a good night's sleep. You know, I used to tell Sue, the bigger the house, yes, yeah, he's I've gone way past, sorry. It goes, the thing, it goes this way, but I'm having to hit this way, so it's confusing me. Okay. You haven't? Yeah. You know, I told Sue when we were, married, we, we, Thank you, we got to meet uh, some people when we were first married, and they had beautiful homes, but we found that they had beautiful homes, but they had a lot of problems, too. Yeah. They had big problems in a big house. We, and, we used uh, to drive, when we were, st when we were rent still renting an apartment, we used to drive by, they were all up on this big high hill. It was called Parish Hill Road, remember? And, w and their houses were $90,000. I mean, that was just... This was back like, in the 70s. That was they're, just like They're like a million now, but they were yeah, 90000 They were like then. a million. So 90000 we thought, oh, my word, who are these people who can afford $90,000 for these homes, you know? We'd look at these houses, and they were so big, huge things, about four or five bedrooms, you know, whatever, two, three-car car garages. Back then, that was really big, you know, just to have a two-car garage. And um, so we drive by there all the time, just watching it and stuff. And lo and behold, when our daughter went to school, I met one of my be very best BFFs uh, friends lived in Parish Hill. I thought, oh my word, I'm actually going to go get to see the inside of one of those houses. And um, so we, 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 you know, we hit it off and everything, and I got to meet some of the other people. But we found out that every single one of those homes had problems. Big I mean, problems. Big problems. Their kids were in, were in rehab and all rehabs kinds of Rehabs and, and, you know, their marriage counseling and all of a sudden I thought, we, you know, it was like the Lord just showed us, you know, here we were having, putting them up on a pedestal thinking, oh, to be able to own a house like that. And I, we came, I came home one day to John and I'd say, I would never change my life, trade my life. Yeah. For it's kind of funny. Years later, you like drive that. by you drive by those homes in the '70s, and you look at that, and then years later, you don't realize now you're counseling <laughs> couples that live in those homes. <laughs> it kind of get get interesting. Yeah. But are you going to start? Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, you know, what do you guys see in verses? Well, let's see. I'm trying to think here. Verse twelve. Verse twelve. I got to okay? get to it. I've got to get to it there. What do you guys see?
like that. Have no control over. Wow, good word. Yeah. Yep. All right, verse 13, hoarding riches harms the saver. That's a big one because really when you look at hoarding riches harms the saver, where is the giving? You know, where is the giving? And then verse 14 says money is put into risky investments to turn sour. You know, be careful of get-rich-quick schemes. This is 2,000 years ago. It's amazing that this is, was written so long ago, and read, we're reading this now, you know. And, and in that getting that good night's sleep, what you brought up earlier is, you know, when they told us, first of all, through Dave Ramsey, in saving money and having a, a, uh, an account, um, what, did he, what does he call it, an um, emergency fund, um, I should know that, but anyway, the um, having that emergency fund, knowing that we'd be okay. You know, what a peace yeah. that gives you, you know? Incredible. And then um, verse 15, verse 15 uh, we can't take our riches with us, right? And, uh, and then um, people leave the uh, world, verse 16 and 17, people leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing like working, uh, working in the wind. Therefore, their lives, uh, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. You know, I, I think about that. With that verse, I think about the people that, you know, the money just flies, floats through their fingers. I mean, they've, they've worked all their lives, but they have nothing to show for it come the end of their life. You know, it's all been spent, you know, on frivolous um, things. Mm. You know, we... Um, that brought temporary pleasure. You know, one thing we've done is, is uh, for we, we, you know, we, when when you look at generational wealth, that's something that's uh, super important in our lives. Where we really believe it's important that our kids or grandkids get something from us. You know, and so what we do is, every um, every time one graduates from high school, we have them come over the house when they're getting ready to go to college. Now, what's interesting is the first two get full votes to college. And so they came over, and we sat them down, and these are different we years. And, um, and we actually uh, give them a check um, and, uh, and tell them, now, we want you to take this and invest it, you know, and this is your money now. And it's just, it, it blows them away, but it's something that I hope, my parents never did that. They never, you know, it's one thing to leave somebody something, but to give it to them when they're alive, doesn't that mean so much more? Yeah. I mean, think about it. It means so much more. Yeah. You know? I mean, we, we used to talk to Sue's, Sue's mom had this precious ring. Said, well, give it to Jenna now. It's her birthstone. Now I'll wait till I pass away. Enjoy the time. But, you know, yeah. so anyway. That's it, just our thoughts. Yeah. But so we decided, we had talked about it, and we decided we'd rather give the money to them now and enjoy the blessing right. rather than waiting until after we die. They could have it if we the will and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. um. so anyway, let's just keep going. Verse, verse 18, verses uh, 10, it says, those who love money will never have enough. And then uh, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work, you know, accept their lot in life in verse 18. What's that mean? It's good. Is it, is it, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work and to accept their lot in life in verse 18. 
I think, too, it breaks it down as contentment, yeah. right? Yeah. Being content. Yeah, I mean, obviously, grat gratitude, being grateful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in Ethiopia in the um, first part of my time. My dad was in the Army, so we lived in Ethiopia as a kid. And, um, you know, over there they had grass huts. And the parents had seven children in hopes of two surviving to adulthood. So um, there, w there was just so much poverty. And, um, and yet... They were, you know, we were called the rich Americans, which I used to laugh. I mean, you saw my, my bicycle, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I was considered rich, you know. So I used to think that, oh, my goodness, so they're calling me a rich American. But, but we had running water, and we had electricity, and we had, you know, access to medical facilities and things like that that they did not have. But yet there was no lack of joy in, the, in those people. You know, it was just amazing to me that, you know, even in their poverty, there was joy. I mean, they could get one. You gave them, gave them a ball, and I mean, that was like giving them a million dollars to go play soccer and kick the ball around and things like that. Or so it just puts such a perspective on me that it really doesn't matter the amount. It's it's whether we're content where we are, you Amen. know, and grateful for what we have. You know, Drew Tucker sent me something uh, maybe a couple of months ago. He sent me a little quote, just on a text. And it said, we come into this world looking like our parents. We leave looking like our decisions. Stew on that for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. We come into this world looking like our parents. We leave looking like our decisions. talk to me, don't read, ask me a question, I won't ask you a question, you know, I'm just sitting here ready to listen to the conversation, and I could never figure out why the Lord took me from the back row all the way up to front and center, I just, you know, it was like, really, there's got to be so many more that are so much more qualified than me to be able to sit up here, but I think really, looking back, and because I've We've had this discussion with the Lord several times over, many, many times. But I think it's because of our testimony that I think that God has us sitting up here. Because I feel like if, if he can do it in me, there is hope for everybody. And that's what I hope I can portray up here. Because I was just the most hard-headed, hard-hearted person. And, um, you know, from humble beginnings, you know, and... Um, but I, but I just can sit there and say, but for the grace of God, that was, that's been our motto. You know, people used to tell us, oh, you need to save. You need to, you know, squirrel away for the um, retirement and all that. Well, we were busy paying for college and all of those kinds of things, and I never worried about it. And yet somehow the Lord provided, you know. So he's been gracious, and it's all because of him, you know. And all we can honestly say is, we were just, but for the grace of God, and we followed. He sat us down and said, this is what you need to do, and we said, okay. And that's it. That was our secret. He told us what to do, and we agreed to do it. And um, and he's blessed. But anyway, do you want to finish off the lesson really quickly here? Well, I, I, we've got a, we've got a uh, Want to just go to the here. end? Yeah, we got a, we'll, let's just go to the question here. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll All right. Back. We did end, end with... Um, Luke, um, 
Luke 12, verses 22 through 31. And, um, you know, and then he's talking there. He says, and then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about every li- everyday life, whether you have enough food or eat enough clothes to have enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothes. Look at the ravens; they don't plant or, or um, harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to Him than any birds. Call all. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worrying can, can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the wor- use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be just concerned about what you eat and what you drink. Don't worry about what such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And, you know, that's where we started with the art. You know, I'm so thankful that Tim was able to um, ask us to come for just these four weeks since we're, we've got a um, trip to the beach, you know, um, for the month of October in the middle of this, all of this. But we started with our very first lesson was seek the Lord first, seek him above all else, and then, you know, everything else will fall in. And this is, and we leave you with that as well. Seek first his kingdom, everything will be added to you. Um, you know, and, and that's really our testimony, I think. Um, you know, you all can go to these classes every week, but, and I'll just leave you with this. If you don't apply it, if you don't take it, what, 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 what you're seeing here and what Tim will be bringing in the next few weeks, you've got to apply it. Sometimes it's painful, but you've got to get through it. And this whole financial one, um, you saw the statistics. People are struggling out there. And if it's 80% or 70% of the people, well, it could be 70% of this room. You know, we're just all being quiet about it, you know. So you really got to start getting together, talking about it, discussing it, and then teaching your kids about it. And, and to me, that's once you get it together and you start teaching your kids, now you've got the next generation. Right. And that's the big deal, mm-hmm. you know. Watching our grandkids right now is super important. All right, Tim, you want to so, come up? Well, no, where you are you? Did you want to go through? We them? have time. Yeah, I guess we minutes. do. Go ahead. Just, a, just a couple right. of things that we wanted to kind of touch upon. Um, are your finances a consistent source of tension in your marriage, in your relationship? If that's a yes, then you know what? What do you got? You guys got to sit down and say, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to keep this from being at source of tension in our marriage yeah. and you start to take steps in that direction. And do you often feel as, uh, as if you're living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, we were at one time. You yeah. know? Are you unable to save money on a consistent basis? Do you currently have a weekly or a monthly budget? If you don't, please get one. Right. You know, the, the best thing to for tension, to solve tension, is to come up with a plan. And as long as you both are following that plan and you're both focused on reaching that goal we're not there yet but we're constantly one step one step um after another um 
the tension goes away because you're going you can now say we are we're on our path we are walking we're reaching our goal and so that tension is just going to be a byproduct it's going to go by the wayside you are, are you unable to stick to are you unable to stick to a budget and that's a tough one with a budget when you put it together and then, and then you don't follow it you know that's a big deal and you've got to are you unaware of what your monthly expenses tend to be for major expenses such as housing, food, gas, auto, utilities? This follows um, under John's um, analogy of our vacations. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff happened. Once, once uh, we got, once we were, we were aware of all those expenses, we were all much better on vacation. Yeah. Are you unable to control spending on frivolous items? Do you find yourself often arguing over finances? Do you feel pressure from mounting credit card debt? It's over a trillion dollars right now. Do you have to borrow money to pay off debt? Do you have a difficult time discussing finances with your spouse? Do you feel in the dark towards your finances because your spouse doesn't give you enough information about what is going on? And we have met couples yeah. that one takes care of everything, the other one has no idea, and then all of a sudden something happens. I, I have friends that have absolutely no idea of how much they have and where it is. If their husband were to die today, they would not know where to go, right. I don't think, unless they have it, you know, and it's like, you know, you need to know these things. You need to know. You yeah. guys need to be on the same plan. So so one thing we do have, and, and uh, I'll share with you, it's, it's a, uh, a wooden box. It's in our bedroom. You want to break in the house, it's there. It's in our bedroom, and it's um, it has everything in there from all of our investments, on meaning what accounts they're in, um, our checking, our savings account, our the uh, deed to the house, the, the titles, the titles to, the to the cars. Uh, we just had a roof put on the house, so that information just got put in there. Um, I bought a dishwasher. We just bought a dishwasher recently. So that's in there, and it's all categorized in this little wooden box, mm -hmm. all right? So if something, and, and so what we did is we took this wooden box, and we sat down with our two kids and said, see this? This is our life right here. Everything's in it. Something happens to us. Here's where it is, and you'll know how to get everything. You'll know how to get, you know, what to do and how to do it. All of our accounts are in here and everything. Mm -hmm. Super important that you guys all have that. Yeah. Um, um, are you a team when it comes to your finances? Do you both share joint bank and credit accounts? You know, and we really feel it. When we taught young marrieds, we really feel like this is so important. You guys are, you know, you two become one. And I believe that that's in the financial department as well. I think there shouldn't be just your, your mine and ours. It should be all ours. And, you know, and you guys need to be on it a team effort to figure out where it gets spent, wh what gets saved, all of that kind of thing. It should be something that's discussed at least once a month, if not, you know, right. every other week or something like that. So you, everybody's on the same page that way. I mean, Sue was a school teacher for eight years, and when she stopped teaching, I think you were about 40, and she stopped teaching and she was home. Well, that doesn't mean now all the money's mine and I handle it all and she doesn't have anything to say. I mean, it doesn't work that way. <coughs> she, uh, in fact, she's got a real good mind for it, so mm -hmm. she handles a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I do the uh, that stuff. But anyway, 
big, big deal is, you know, if both work outside of the home, do you pool your money together as ours? Yeah. And we really think that that is definitely key. You know, wherever you guys are financially, whatever page you're on, um, you know, the, the first part is to start as a team. Make it a team effort. You know, pull everything together and decide together on what's going to get spent, what are we going to save, what it, you know, that type of thing. What are we, what's going to be our, how much is going to be our fun money, you know, that type of thing that we can just be frivolous with and, and all of that. So, and that, and you'll find that when that happens, when you finally are all, you can sit down, discuss it, you're all on the same page, there will be, won't be any tension. You know, so you will be on the same page. Honestly, I think the four things that we've given you is really our heart. Um, it, it, when we sat down, we knew we had four weeks, and these are the four lessons that we picked, and these are really our heart, we felt like. And we're just grateful for Tim for letting us be here and grateful for you guys for listening to us. And, uh, and hopefully we can do it again sometime because we definitely have a lot more we could share. But, um, but anyway, we're just grateful. Yeah, we're just grateful for this time. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Miss Sue. Well said. Time to go to the beach. Yeah. Well said, for sure. Uh, thank you for sharing ways that we can strengthen our marriage through biblical principles and all those your experience. So, so grateful. Quickly, uh, this webpage, w.org forward slash Ramsey. Three things are on there. First, you can take FPU for free. You can do it as a self-study on your own or take one of our classes. Second thing on here is all of Ramsey's videos from everything in the world their everyday millionaire, um, all their other types of things are on there. Um, they've got tons of videos. Third thing on there is the free, you can sign up for the Every Dollar app, which is like the best financial planning, you know, budgeting app in the world right now. They're updating it. Susan and I use it. It's really, really good. A lot of folks use it. It's great. It links with your bank account. You simply just drag all your expenses, everything that you spend, it puts it there and you just drag it up and it deducts how much you're remaining throughout the month. Really good. It's all free. Uh, it's there available. For. Oh, the, the, the app, um, well, the once you get the Every Dollar app, you put it on your phone, the Every Dollar app, but you can you can get to this through your, through the this is a web page. Go right there, and it gets you everything for free. But the app you put on your phone, the Every Dollar app goes on your phone. Every dollar. Every dollar. It's free. It's usually like $100 a year, and it's free for you guys. No, ma'am. So once you once you once you download the app, then you link your account. Like if you go to Kroger tonight and it's ten dollars and forty one cents, you just pull that up to grocery expense. No, it, it would if you weren't a part of Bellevue, but it's free for you. Yeah, you register. Yeah, you register for that way. They, yep. Absolutely, it will send you a link, a code link, and you'll sign right up. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, th- 
Yeah. <laughs> we got some good mood motivation tonight, though. You motivated us, so we're excited about it. Yeah. All right, so here's where we're going next. So next week, come right back here. Next week, we're talking about communication next week. Then we're going right down the list of all these great things about marriage. So please come back. It's going to be a great rest of the, while you're at the beach, we'll be talking about marriage right here. So you guys can tune in. Hey, let me pray for us, and um, we'll head out. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you for tonight and a chance to be together, uh, to learn through your word how to grow closer to you and to each other. Thank you for John and Sue. I pray you'd give them a very restful time away at the beach. Bless them, Father. Give them back all they've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.